And he began to minister to me and began to tell me that whatever I'm carrying, that I don't have to carry, that there's a Jesus that can heal a marriage, that can touch a life, that could change. And I'm just kind of lit and I, my eyes well up because for the first time I hear hope. And, and I just kind of look down and it's like a tear rolls down my cheek. And he's like, you need God, bro. You need God, man. And, and so I just kind of like nod. Yeah. And he saw that I was tender and he goes, you know what? I know a church, really, really good church. A lot of young folks, a lot of young Navy folks go to that church. Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Tuesday, where you're going to hear a powerful testimony of God's grace revealed in human lives. Each Tuesday, you'll hear Pastor Adam interviewing pastors from around the world to share the mighty miracles that God has done in their lives to give you hope for yours. We share the stories of the men behind the messages you hear every other day on this podcast. Keep in mind that the free version only includes a portion of the whole testimony interview. To listen to the full version, use the links in the show notes to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or Supercast.tech. Every dollar goes to supporting world evangelism. Enjoy today's Testimony Tuesday. All right. Welcome back to Testimony Tuesday here on the VBPH Sermon Podcast. Pastor Adam here with you again. You might notice that my background looks a little different today. Well, because we got a we got something crazy going on today. <laughs> so we have an in-person interview, believe it or not, um, all the way from Norfolk, Virginia, right down the road here. And we want to welcome into the show, Pastor Ernie Pena. Oh, man, that sounds so weird. Is it the first time somebody <laughs> said that? It's not, but it sounds weird coming from another pastor, bro. Like... <laughs> well, hey, Ernie, thank you so much for joining us and making the time. Uh, yes. on this uh, Monday evening. We appreciate you making the time for us. Oh, I appreciate the invite. It's yeah. an honor, man. Well, you are not a novice to this podcasting thing. For <laughs> our listeners to know, uh, you've got your own podcast that you do over there with right. uh, uh, Keeping the Balance yeah. and Brother Red. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, well, before we get into the, the meat of the testimony, yeah. um, I was curious, and for the sake of our audience, uh, mm -hmm. maybe you can um, share people about what the, your podcast is and what oh, okay. you guys are doing and yeah. give, give yourself a little shout out there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. That's awesome, man. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't, uh, I, I, I didn't picture that, but that's, that's pretty cool. Hey, this Thank is you. a podcast audience. Yeah, I know. Right. So people <laughs> want to know about that. Oh, well, so you know what this, uh, that podcast is keeping the balance and we came up with the acronym KTB and, uh, we, we began to do it because it was just having conversations with other men. And um, at that time, I had, I had a house that had a detached garage. And so all the guys would go there. The ladies obviously would hang out in the kitchen and, you know, do what ladies do, right? <laughs> Chop it up and have fun. And then the guys would just sit down and we would have coffee. And then we would just have some really, really genuine conversations. And then someone, one of the brothers said, man, imagine like, could somebody get something off of this if they heard what we we're talking about? You know, yeah. where we and and it's something that I've heard before where it's uh, maybe in one of the conferences early my salvation. I remember hearing Pastor Paul Stevens get up there and say, yeah, we're having coffee at a, at a shop and just having a conversation. And then someone heard us yep. and said, hey, I just want to say that I've been listening to what you guys are have, have been saying. And uh, you know what? I'm glad that there are people that, that that think like that. It made me think of things different. And I remember hearing that. And so when he said that, I said, <clears throat> man, it wouldn't be a bad idea. Why not? What would we call it? You know, what would be our tar target audience? You know, what are we going to... And so the first time that we did it, we did it with a little snow globe or not a snow globe, but... Yeah, the, the blue microphone. The blue microphone. Right. And it's just a round thing. And in the middle of a table, me and Red and... Uh, and I think another a couple of other brothers and the conversation just went right. But then it rabbit trailed off. It was crazy, man. We're all over the place. And so I was like, you know what? That was good. But how about we uh, find, let's see what we can do to fine tune it, you know, and let's talk about things, you know, as men, just different topics uh, that where we could be honest, that we could keep it real. Right. But mm -hmm not get crazy. Let's keep yeah. it. Let's bring the balance of Jesus into these conversations. And that's how it was birth. And um, yeah, now we we've had it for a while. We don't upload as much as I'd like to, you know, two different guys doing it together. It's a uh, life, you know, trying to 
keep the balance within our own lives and then find the time where we could get together and uh, really, really pray about inspiration on the different topics. And so we we don't have as many episodes as 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 we should. But uh, whenever we do have one, uh, it's a good time, man. And we always get some sort of good, good feedback about it. So. Yeah. Uh, so if you're listening out there and if you uh, if you want to have a couple of laughs, right, <laughs> or if you want to listen in and uh, maybe you'd like to share it with someone else, uh, look us up. Just keeping the balance. Nice. Know? Nice. So, uh, well, yeah, I mean, uh, I've been a fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, you helped us a lot, you know, a little little secret to everybody else. I, I was thinking about I, I have no idea what I'm doing with this podcast and I don't know how to formulate one. And so at the time. Pastor Dragoon had one and I was like, you know, he's right down the road. Why not reach out? And you were well like like willing to meet with me at a Panera. I think that that's where that's where we met. Sat down and you had listened to one of mine and I was like, give me honest feedback, man, please. And you did. And it helped. You know, that's been one of the things that we that's almost like one of the guidelines that we use whenever we do do an episode. Hey, let's let's make sure that we don't rabbit trail, you know. And so you definitely helped us with that big time. So appreciate you. Yeah, I'll take all the credit <laughs> when things go well, when it falls off a cliff. Uh, that was your thing. Yeah, I had nothing to do with nothing it. To do with it. That's right. <laughs> well, um, well, man, it's uh, it's it's been cool to know you uh, and to get to know you and yeah. your family uh, since we've been here in, in Hampton Roads and yeah. to see the progress of, of your life. And uh, it's exciting to to hear the big news coming yeah. out of the last conference. Yeah. yeah. So uh, for those who weren't there in Jacksonville, North Carolina, um, Ernie and his wife were were announced yeah. to go into Charlottesville, Virginia. That's right. Man, that's the place. Yeah, Charlottesville, <laughs> man. Yeah, it's awesome. So there's, a, I'm sure there's a, an interesting story that leads up to that. Yeah. But yeah. before before we get there, why don't you introduce yourself to people who don't know you? Right, right. And uh, give us the, the short version of, of who you are, where you're serving the Lord. Okay. So uh, Ernie Pena, right? My wife, Josie, uh, we've been married uh, this year. This November will be 20 years that we've been married. And uh, we got four four kids. Uh, my, my oldest is uh, she's the only girl. She's 19, Annie. And then my son, Angelo, 18. Then Adriel, he's 15. And the youngest is Victor, and he's 12. And uh, we got saved right here in Norfolk, Virginia. Um, we went ahead and, uh, we, we got invited out to a church. Well, that, that in itself is a miracle, the way that, uh, we ended up coming to, to the, to the church. Uh, but, uh, that was in January, 2006 is when we came to a Wednesday night service, heard preaching for the first time, at least I did. And, um, and I was confronted with, with, with me, you know, and, uh, and saw how Jesus could help me. And I surrendered, man, and gave my life to Christ. And it's been it's been a wild ride since, man. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. Well, uh, so I hear every time I hear you talk, I hear little queens in there. You say coffee uh, a little bit. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm guessing that this story is going to venture into New York. Yeah, a bit. yeah, it'll 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 venture there. Is that, is yeah. that, so is that where you grew up? Yeah, yeah. So I was born and raised in Queens, New York. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. I was born and raised in Queens, New York, and. Uh, was raised, uh, beaten, began with, with, uh, with, uh, my, my, my mother, my father, my older brother and my little sister. Uh, and then at a young age, uh, my, my father ended up leaving and, um, and I was pretty much raised there in, in Queens, New York, uh, in Astoria, Astoria is where my story begins there. And, uh, and grew up in rough, rough situation. It's not the best of, I mean, my mother and father both from El Salvador, right? They 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 migrated here. He was a merchant marine and ended up landing in in New York and then saw that he had potential to do work there. So well a welder by trade and he just took off. And so um uh we didn't live in the best in the best of places. They really didn't know no Spanish or, or they only knew Spanish, didn't really know English. So we lived in the projects. You know, that's where I was raised. And uh it's 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 something that I love talking about when it comes to meeting someone from the streets where it's like, hey bro, that's I know what you're talking about, you know? And um <clears throat> that's 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 where it all began for me. I don't know if you want me to dive into that a little oh, bit. Oh yeah, more. let's dive in, man. Oh, we man. want to hear the whole story. So, what was life like growing up in the 
New New York projects. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, like I said, life life wasn't wasn't the the sweetest, but we made the best of it, man. I mean, around that time, everybody was outside. There wasn't really much to do inside, right? And uh, and and living in a small apartment, uh, and uh, just just looking for something to do out there. So me and my my little sister would be running around the streets, man. And uh, the projects there. I mean, obviously, you could picture it: city buildings, right? Six floors three buildings attached with 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 a quad in the middle park that adjoins everything it's all enclosed type sort of thing and you just see a bunch of kids out there a bunch of hoodlums just tearing it up man playing until late late in the summer nights and uh getting into a lot of trouble well so you were one of those little hoodlums absolutely 100 percent, absolutely man i i i took to it man big big time and uh so when when my father split my older brother uh was pretty much my role model he was the one that i looked up to he's he's the one that actually kept me in check because i was a wild one out of uh i mean i was the, the middle child he was the oldest so he had a lot of responsibilities made him grow up a lot quicker my little sister was the princess you know so she was always she never could do anything wrong and then there was me right it's, okay <laughs> i'm tracking so that's that's the way that i kind of that a lot of uh a lot of expectations were laid on me um, but then he joined the Marine Corps and he he left. And so right at a critical time where I was, I mean, I was a teenager and I was looking for that Roma. I was looking for that guidance. And my mother, in order to make ends meet, she was um, she was a nurse at a hospital, Goldwater Memorial Hospital on Roosevelt Island. And uh, she she took up double shifts. So that left no super, no adult super, supervision with us. You one of those uh, lock key? What do they call it? The the key kids? There's a there's a word for that. That no, was me too. No, that was you. <laughs> the, the one carry the, the key to your door around your neck so you don't lose it. Yeah, yeah. So me, and my, well, you know what? My mother really, really didn't trust me with the key, so she she gave it to my sister. You know, and so so I was always out in the street, man, and uh, and anything that I could get into, I did get into. And um, so there was a, a group of um, teens out there that I would notice in front of the high schools and in the middle school and uh, and a whole bunch of Latinos, a whole bunch of Spanish guys. And I'm like, man, these guys always have like a crowd around them. They've always got girls around them. You know, uh, it looks like they got money, you know. So I was always curious by that. And uh, so they were the Latin Kings and and they drew my attention, man. And. The uh, the group of guys that I used to hang out with really weren't that type. They weren't the gangbanging type. They were pretty much kids from the from the projects. You know, we'd play football together, and everybody just kind of grew up. I always uh, I was always the youngest in the group, and so uh, so everybody else was always older than me. Um, but then I started linking up with this other group with these guys, and I saw I saw them, saw what they did, and and uh, and the way that it was, the appeal was, hey, we're a brotherhood. We look out for one another. You know, and I was like, well, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I need. You know, I need a brotherhood. And I already had good friends. Uh, and but I decided to go that route. And so I dove into it head first. And uh, I I was a scrapper and I used to enjoy that. I used to take take pride in that. And so they saw me as, hey, that's another body that we could throw, you know, at whatever the situation is. And um, and that's that's where I began to build the street cred by just uh rolling rolling with these guys and then just getting into random scraps with different people with different gang members or uh just 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 with different people man and uh and so that's that became part of my persona this is who ernie is now you know so did you have that did you have that that bug for fighting and, and violence early on 100 percent. yeah 100 percent. yeah yeah I, I mean even in 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 middle school early in middle school uh, we used to like we used to do slap boxing a lot. Slap boxing was a thing, you know. You used to do it right before school started. You know, they'd create a little circle. Everybody's waiting to get in school, and then somebody would slap somebody, and it's like, ah, oh, create a little. And that was kind of like the environment. That was the culture. Slap boxing, it was was like nothing. And then that elevated to to actually boxing with with boxing gloves on top of a rooftop and stuff like that that was that was a norm we would have matches in our living room you know mom wasn't home it's like come on come on over to the living room you know let's go ahead and throw down and uh that 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 would be the scene so yeah i had i had a gnat for it you know and and i took to it 
And it just, it just, it, it got control of me though. It was almost like I had this rage with inside that I really, really uh, liked. My kids make fun of me because they go, dad, you could go from zero to a hundred, you know? Cause I said that one time and they're like, they're like, dad, you remember? All right. Now from zero to a hundred. And I'm like, no, nah, that, that was back old Ernie. All right. That's not me anymore. Right. And so, but that's, that, that was my nature, man, where it was, I, I took pride in being able to switch it on and going from zero to a hundred and turning into a savage. And just, I used to enjoy that. I almost had, had, had like a little bit of a bloodlust, you know? And, um, and, uh, that could have gotten me into some serious, serious issues if my mother hadn't sent me away. Mm. Well, before we get to sent you away, the, yeah. I think a reason why that feels good to so, to so many young men mm-hmm. and that just embracing that that rage and because you feel like you're taking control of situations, yeah, because you most likely coming from a situation where you feel totally out of control, yeah, and maybe without right. even knowing it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I identify with that because I had a similar story, and so you know I, I can remember taking a baseball bat and going out in the backyard and just beating up a tree, you know, and just like, what am what, it's not accomplishing anything, but it felt good, <laughs> but it felt good because huh? I felt like I was in control. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So do you think that that came from the fact that your, your dad was gone and uh, kind of left you behind or, or what, what do you think? Yeah. Well, there, there was definitely some serious rejection there, man, because I was trying to fill that role model, you know, and since my brother wasn't there, I tried to fill it with these guys and, all of these guys were definitely not a good example. You know, they would use, they would use anything to get by. They, any way that you could find a shortcut, they would, and then they'd, if they do good, they'd capitalize, they'd celebrate it, you know? And, and so definitely wasn't, and those, those became the guys that I began to follow or began to try to emulate. And then I see that almost like when a dog does a trick and they get a treat and, and every single time that I would perform, that I would do something, that I would do something ruthless, it'd get celebrated. So that became, I'm like, okay, well then this is, this is good. I like that feeling. You know, I, I like the pat on the back. I like being recognized. At least, at least they see me, you know, right. Uh, when in a city as big as New York, nobody really sees you, you know, it's easy to get lost. And especially around when you're a teenager, you're still trying to figure out who you are. And at that time I was, it was almost like these guys celebrating me were, were, were feeding me into that ideology or that idea of it's, it's a doggy dog world and you got to be the biggest dog. And so I said, yep. And I'm going to be that. How old were you when you got involved in there? Uh, I want to say 14, 15. Yeah. Well, 14. Yeah. So real, real young. Um, and, uh, but it was, it, what's what's funny is that i looking back now i definitely see that dad not being there played a huge part if dad would have been there dad was strict he was a strict guy and if he would have been there no way he would have approved me hanging out with these guys with these clowns and uh he 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 definitely would have put the you know put his foot down um and and so him not being there, I think that that was a way of me coping with 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 that kind of rejection, uh, and and um, yeah, you know that's it's unfortunate, right? That you have to deal with that. It wasn't up until I was an adult that I realized that it was that those were some deep scars created by by that man, you know. And I forgave him, and that felt great, you know. But identifying the rejection part of it was very liberating as an adult, you know, it's not something that you normally carry or can recognize in the moment. For sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And when you're, when you're a teen and you're still sort, how old were you when, when, when your dad took off? Man, uh, I want to say probably eight or nine, probably eight or nine. Yeah. Yeah. So old enough to understand. That, oh yeah. He's not there. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. And you, you feel pain for that and you kind of, so some kids take it on themselves. Like, did I do something wrong? You know, mm-hmm. um, usually that's the firstborns. Who, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, what I do wrong. Right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So rough childhood. So what, what kind of trouble did you get into? Do you remember, did you ever get any trouble with the law? Yeah, I did. But this was back when I, when, when I was already sent away and I was in California. So yeah. the, the story continues. Man. So California, mom says, uh, 
moving with your auntie and uncle in Bel Air? <laughs> kind of something like that. Yeah. <laughs> no. So I was involved with, uh, I, 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 so it was around the age of, uh, 16, yeah, 16, 17, right. That I, that I had gotten to the, to the point where I was selling drugs. Right. And so I be, began to sell through a, through a connection, began to sell for some Colombians. And so by, by, by this time I had already tried weed. I mean, that was normal, right? Uh, everybody had access to that and that's what I was selling. Um, but, but, but I had tried ecstasy. I had tried cocaine. I had, uh, those were the only three major drugs that I had tried aside from smoking. I was a regular smoker. And, um, so I was selling weed, but I really didn't really didn't respect the guys that I was selling for. So I used it and partied, you know, and then that caught up with me where, where the guys were looking for me. And then uh, so not only were you not only were you dealing, but you were a dishonest. dealer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was I was bad, man. It was it was <laughs> I wasn't a very accountable dealer. You know, <laughs> I mean, a kid raised in the street. What do you expect? Right. Is <laughs> got all this cash in my hand i got all these these drugs and it's like oh it's a party bro you know and uh but um so yeah my mother she she came up to me and she got tired of uh con continual calls to the hospital she's like it's embarrassing every single time i get announced you know through the intercom uh you know anna your your son's school's on the line please come to the and then she's like something's got to give listen your older brother lives in california he uh, he had joined the marine corps so he was stationed there permanently and um she goes i'll give you an option because it's if i leave you here something's gonna happen to you and i'm not gonna bail you out i'm not gonna bail you out and so he's offering to take you in i'll, I'll buy you a one way right now and then so i i i saw that and the like within me, I, I I was so like rebellious, and I'd always like to clash back against her, go against the grain. And so I kind of looked at her, and I was like, "No, I'm gonna stay here," you know. And so she's like, "No, listen, like you don't, I'm not gonna bail you out. I'm not gonna come after you." And so I was like, "Okay, then you just want to get rid of me. Fine, then I'll leave, you know. So you have one less problem." Okay, so you're like taking it personal and oh yeah, taking a guilt trip on her. Hundred percent took it personal, you know. And I was like, fine, then I'm out of here. You don't want me? It's it's okay, it's all right. And so I left and uh, flew into San Diego. And my brother and his wife at that time were trying to do the best to make me feel comfortable. But you just took a kid from the projects, real hood, you know, and uh, and took took him out of there and you put him in sunny san diego right? oh nice yeah and uh and my whole style was completely different clashed with any other latino in san diego because i, I mean i was used to i mean picture a little skinny kid with a do-rag and a new york fitted baggy jeans timberland boots and you know just doesn't fit the same you put another spanish person next to me and it wasn't the same you're looking at the cholos the cholos the dickies the converse you know the 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 cortez and and it just it just it it, it was like putting a target on my back and um all of a sudden you were the different one i i, I was the very different one and that, that were you still in school at this point i was still in high school and i was in between grades and i was in special ed and um I uh, I was put in a class where I was isolated from everybody else, right? And uh, so that drew a lot of attention. Any attention that I got was wasn't good. Like I'm looking back, and I'm like, okay, girls saw that I was different. That that was an attention that at that time I was like, oh, this is awesome, but it really wasn't good. And then the guys, it was the wrong attention, man. And so my best friends were just black dudes because that's who I was able to relate with. That's who they saw somebody like, Hey man, you know, you're different. You're from New York. People didn't even know me by my name. People called me New York. Really? That was my name <laughs> in high school was New York. Hey, New York. And I'm like, Hey, what's up? You know? And it, but I got into a lot of fights that, that led to a lot of scraps, a lot of, a lot of fights and a lot of people challenging me, you know, and little man syndrome, you know, I got to prove, who 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 I am, you know, and that that got me into. So you're, you're living with your old, older brother. I'm living with my older brother, but he's in the Marines. He's in the Marine Corps, so he doesn't have the time to. No, not be at your, all. Your caretaker. Nope, not at all. And then his wife is there. She works also. And oh wow! So, yeah. so there's a family aspect going on yeah, here. Yeah, there's a family. Yeah, she's she's not going to clean up after you. Nope. 
Mm-mm. They gave me my own room. They gave me the keys to the house. They showed me how to get to the high school and how to get back. And that's pretty much it. It's like, all right, bro. Hey, just do good, man. Yeah, right. You that's know? like sink or swim, you <laughs> yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. So did you sink or swim? I, I, I think I sank and I punched everything along the way down. <laughs> <laughs> No, it, it it wasn't a good scene. I ended up actually uh, uh, linking up with a couple of neighbors, which were, wait, these are grown men, but these were grown men that, that, that used to be meth heads. And so these are the kind of guys that I hung out with whenever, because um, they lived in the neighborhood and I didn't know anywhere else to go. I definitely gave into, um, gave into chasing girls, completely neglected my studies, got to the point where I was, um, where I, where I was failing. Uh, if I would have stayed in school, I would have graduated by the age of 20, you know, so I was that far behind and uh, kept getting into fights, um, kept getting into scraps. And uh, eventually school wasn't it for me. So my one of my brother's co-workers ended up telling him about a program called Job Corps, which is federally funded. Yeah, uh, a lot of people know about Job Corps. Uh, one of the things that I didn't know that that it was fre- it was federally funded, so it was it's like um, you you have a lot of good opportunities there, but if you mess up there, you 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 could do some serious time in jail, you know. And so uh, he told me about it, and I was like, no, I remember mom trying to take me to the job corps in Brooklyn, and it looked like a jail, like bars everywhere, and 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 uh, so I'm like, man, that's almost like like the uh, school that I was raised in. We had metal detectors, you know, and so. I'm like, no, 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 I'm, I'm not. And he's like, well, let's go check it out. We went and checked it out. And it looked like a college campus, man. This thing was wide open. It was like you saw a football field, softball field, like dormitories. And I'm like, bro, this is like, this is nice. And he's like, all right, well, what do you think? And I'm like, yeah, let's, let's do it. You know, and that's where you, 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 you live there. You live in Job Corps and they, they give you a trade. They teach you a trade. Right. And so I was like, okay, that's just fine. And they actually pay you to be there also. They give you somewhere to sleep. They feed you. They give you an allowance. It's like military almost. Almost, you know. Uh you get you get to leave, uh, but only on weekends, like overnight. And so I was like, Okay, well then let's let's do it, you know. And and then I realized that a lot of a lot of folks, a lot of young kids that end up going there, some of them are by court order, you know. Okay. And so it's so, <laughs> now we know who we're so some of them are by by a court order, but others voluntarily go there, you know, and end up trying to trying to make a future of themselves. And so uh, they they put you in the orientation group or in a group for orientation for about a month. And in this group, there might be like twenty or twenty five other kids, you know. And I, I say I say kids because it's sixteen, you know, right, right. And so 16, 17, 18, and um, my wife was in the same group that I was. Oh, well, and now that, that starts to get interesting. That, that's, that's where Josie was. And Okay, well, before before we go further into the story, yeah. my, the question that I always got to ask is, go for what, kind of, what kind of spiritual background did you have coming up to this? That you ha- ever had any kind of religious or, or spiritual experiences? You know what? I remember uh, when I was like, maybe five years old, six years old. My grandmother uh, was an evangelical in El Salvador. Really? Yeah. Well, that's different. And so when I, when my mother and father had me and my little sister, they had us in Queens, but they weren't settled in, in New York. They didn't really have, there was Queensbridge projects. There were other places that they were trying to bounce, bouncing around. They're like, nah, this isn't the place. Let's send them off to El Salvador until we're settled. So they shipped us off. Oh, so you spent time down there? Yeah. So my my grandmother, uh, pretty much was I thought she she was my mom. Wow. You know, because at a very young age, that's who I saw. That's who took care of us. And so I I remember her dragging us to church, right? And I remember Spanish, you know, and they 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 would worship. I remember singing some of the songs, and uh, but then when my mother and father was settled in, they they called for us back. And it was almost like I was ripped away from everything that I knew, which was my grandmother. Mm, my how many there. years did you spend there? Um, so I remember going to school there. I, I remember being there as young as like, uh, from what I was told, from as early as two, right? And I remember leaving there when I was in second grade, first oh, grade. Oh, wow. 
So that's a, that's a good amount of years. Big part of your life. Yeah. And so that's what I remember was that and, and going there. And then, um, so I came to New York and I didn't know a lick of English at oh, all. Oh, wow. So when they enrolled me into school, I was in ESL, right? The, the, the English learning, right? With all the other kids that didn't know any English. And, uh, and I, I remember that time being like, ah, oh, man, I've, can't wait until I learn English. I'll never speak, speak Spanish again, you know, but that was the only, cause my, my mother, my, my mother wasn't religious at all, at all. My father either, you know? And so, um, that was the only type of religiosity. I mean, aside from going to Catholic church, every now, my mother, every now and then Christmas, Easter or whatever would take us to the Catholic church. We'd go in, those buildings scared the mess out of me because I'm little <laughs> and I'm like, what the heck is this? Is Who's this guy? You know? Well, you weren't, you were never in a Catholic church never in before Catholic that church because your grandma that. was an evangelical. That's right. She was a Christian. Yeah, man. And so, um, no Christianity at all. And then from my wife's side of the family, all Catholic, all traditional Catholic Mexicans. And so, um, yeah, that, that was my religious background. Okay. That's it. So, so some people have religious experiences when they're high. Ah. <laughs> Anything like that? No, not at all. Okay, not at just all. party scene. Just party scene. That's it. <laughs> Things I don't uh, even want to remember. Know. You just got to ask, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So you find yourself in, in the job corps. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, and there's a pretty girl there. So yeah. that's interesting. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden you have some purpose. Oh, oh, yeah. I had a lot of purpose because I had my eyes locked in. Me and all the other guys were like locked into her. And um, and so I was like, well, she's in the same group as I am. But Josie was a good girl. And she's still, you know, she, she's always been a good girl. Uh, she had the unfortunate, uh, the time of her life was at a very young age, at the age of 13, I want to say, is when she lost her her mother. And so when she lost her mother, her father is like, well, then there's no reason for me to be here. And he went back to Mexico. Oh, my gosh. And then left her with her siblings, with her older sisters. And so one of her older sisters took her in, or I guess that they kind of cast casted lots. And for the younger siblings, she got stuck with this sister. And the sister kind of treated her like like the Cinderella story, you know, where it's like uh, you, you do the laundry, you sweep, you're going to earn your, your keep over here, very restrictive over her, didn't let her really do anything. And so Josie ended up graduating high school. And as soon as she did, she's like, I'm out of here. You know, she left. And that's how she found the Job Corps program. Also in California? Also in San Diego. That's right. Yeah. The Job Corps out there is in Imperial Beach. And so that's where we were. And um, she ended up doing pursuing Job Corps because they also pay for your college. And so if if you pick up a trade and she wanted to be a, a, a kindergarten teacher. So she, she was there for that. She had goals. She knew she had a purpose. She knew why she was there. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> You're just trying, like, trying not to be uh, on like, the street just, every day. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just trying not to get into a fight with anybody, exactly. right? Because that hasn't been working is, up until now. So it was Cinderella. Yeah. Now it's Lady in the Tramp. Now it's Lady in the Tramp. Exactly. A hundred percent, brother. hundred <laughs> percent, man. I'm, I'm over here. I got, I got fleas on me, you know? <laughs> I, I just look bad straight out the gate. And, um, and, uh, and I remember making my we were in class and I made, I made a move, you know, and I was like, oh, this, this works all the time, you know, in San Diego, you use the New York accent, you over, <laughs> you know, you overextended a little bit, girls like, ah, ah. so I kind of pulled up next to her and I'm like, Hey, <laughs> so embarrassing. Uh, I'm like, Hey, and then she turns around, she's like, yeah. And I'm like, how you doing? You know, and I guess <laughs> like Joey. Yo, bro, it was it was like a ghetto Joey, bro. It was so bad. And then she looks at me and she looks at me up and down and she's like, I got a man. And she turned her chair all the way. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I can't believe that just happened. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna slide out of this seat and I'm gonna go away and I'm gonna disappear for a few hours, you know, and we'll lick the wounds. Yeah. And I was like, man, what the heck is wrong with this girl? You know, like, I'm like, ah, I don't know what her problem is, but I really liked her. And uh, I was like, you know what? I'm going to be friends with her friend and I'm just going to ignore her. You know, I, the hunt was on, you know, but, um, through, through that, I, we became friends and through that friendship, I realized that that this 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 girl is the type of girl that I don't have to be fake. I don't have to be tough. 
you know, she comes from a tough childhood. I didn't have to be that. And I began to let my guard down, which was something I never did with girls. And I began to let my guard down. I never did it with anybody. And she accepted me. And uh, through that friendship, I began to fall in love. And then, and then I try to pursue her. And it took me like about a year to to pretty much get with her, you know. And uh, but we became really, really good friends. And I ended up falling for her hard. And uh, and 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 that's where we began. You know? How old were you? Uh, Eighteen. And then uh, we got um, we got pregnant at nineteen and married at nineteen. There you go. Yeah. Well. Okay, so that means that there was some, at least some, uh, mm, some, some values in there. Yeah, that you you wanted to marry her. Yeah. Well, I, you know what? Yes, but it wasn't. My mother was the one that that actually confronted me with that when she came and visited San Diego, and and I would bring Josie with me to my brother's house like on the weekend because she didn't have she has family, but she didn't have anybody to really go, you know. And I'm like, hey, why don't you come with me? And my older brother has always like the moment that he met her, he's like, man, something different about that girl, different from all the other crazy chicks that you brought around me, you know. So, so he's like, no, something different about her. And so she, he, he would invite her. Hey, come, tell her to come. So one one of those weekends, my mother and my little sister were visiting San Diego. So I've got my whole family there, and um, and 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 I let everybody know, hey, Josie's pregnant. And then so everybody celebrated like, wow. And my mother's the only one with like a straight face. And she's like, so? And I'm like, so what? <laughs> and she's like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I'm going to work. And she's like, well, duh. But what, what else are you going to do? Like, what do you? And then I'm like, well, what do you mean, mom? She's like, come on. And she's like, don't, don't be like your dad. And that's when it clicked. Ooh. And I'm like, oh, I need to make this legit. I need to make this real. And she's like why don't you ask the girl to marry you? And I'm like, mom, I don't have money for a ring. She's like, don't worry about that. Just do it. And I, but I'm around. not ready. No, I turned around right there and I kind of put her on the spot and I, and I proposed her and I was like, will you marry me in front of everybody in front of my, and she's looking at everybody all bright eyed. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, cool. Let's do it. And that weekend we got married in the, in the city court down in downtown San Diego. Well, the- yeah. It's 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 not the it's not the Hollywood romance not, story, man. but no. <laughs> somehow it's worked. We're twenty years down the road. Yeah, that's right, man. That's you right. Praise God. Yeah, glory to God, man. It's- so, it sounds like your relationship with Josie really shaped your life early on. Oh yeah, it put did. you on the right on the right track. It did. It did. It it helped me a lot. It helped me uh, it, because she one one of the things that I could say about her is that she she didn't. Um, she didn't sugarcoat things. She would let me know when I was wrong. And she, one of the things that she always told me that, 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 that she admired about me is that I would stand up to whatever the task is, no matter how difficult or wrong that I wouldn't make the right, that I would stand up for justice, you know, that, that I would see injustice and I wouldn't be afraid to stand up to it. And she's like, I admire that about you, but I need to let you know when, when you're wrong. And that's one of the things that she always did. So yeah, she, she helped me grow, man. She helped me grow up. So right there is a very interesting clue into, into the male ego. Um, So for any female listeners that are out there, so there is a balance between, uh, between letting a guy know how he can improve versus tearing a man down oh, yeah. and making him feel worthless. Oh yeah. Exactly. And so what I'm hearing from from you what Josie was able to do with you was to on the one hand she was able to lead you into a better life by telling you man I see that you care about injustice and you respond to that. Yeah. So man isn't it true that that a, a woman can speak life into a oh. into a man can, 100%. can create such an oh, incredible yeah opportunity for him to to live well yes, you know what i'm saying 100% uh but but you, you take that too far and, and it becomes manipulation right. and then it's nagging and yeah. then i don't want to hear nothing that's right well the guy just shuts down exactly know? so threading that ne- needle is such an in- invaluable skill for a woman to have yeah. if she wants to see her husband change 100% you know because y- you can't be afraid to speak up as a woman right to let a guy know especially a guy that you love 
right? You can't be afraid to speak, but at the same time, you don't want to come off as, as in, well, if, if it's this way, then I'm out of here, you know, or, or begin to run them, you know, you don't want to run your man. Oh, don't do that. Right. And so that's one of the things that she never really did. And, um, but she did call, call me out whenever I did do something wrong. And yeah. it was obvious. And you were willing to listen to that because you knew that she had your best intentions. Yeah, that's right. It was a lot easier to receive it because I would look at her and be like, man, out of all the people, like you, you stuck by my side. And she's, I, she wasn't trying to hurt you. No, she wasn't trying all. to rip your, or, or take advantage of you. Right. Right. Which is different from what I was used to. Exactly. And so um, the reason I'm saying that is because it's so important for women to understand the place that they have in the life of their man, right? It is because, you know, for a man who is, you know, who wants to have some bravado and present Mm -hmm. courage and masculinity to the world, and that's what gives him that sense of purpose, for for us to, to show ourselves vulnerable, even to our wives, is very, very difficult, right? 100%. You're giving her your heart. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. and you're giving her an opportunity to really crush it. And yeah. that's what a lot of uh, unrighteous women will do. Mm-hmm. But to really see the kind of chain we're talking about before Jesus here. Yeah. We're talking, we're talking about, about Jesus, outside of right. salvation. Yeah. But what I'm hearing is the power of a good woman that she can have on her husband. Mm-hmm. But and by extension, the, that she can have on a family yeah. and a society. Right. And a culture. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, you don't want to lay the blame on, you know, just women. But if if women of a culture would be righteous and would would do well, then that raises the level of the entire culture. No, it does. Yeah, that's right. You know, and uh, having having that uh, gentle hand to be able to to be able to speak to a situation and and bring life to it, you know. No, definitely. Because us guys, we uh, we could try to do that, but not be as gentle. Right. Correct. It's, a, a woman brings a different touch. All right, to to different situations, a certain calm to different situations, and uh, that's definitely she she helped tame me, hundred <laughs> percent, man. And and ladies out there have that same power, you know. And uh, I, I mean, especially if you're if 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 you're filled with the spirit of God, just imagine what you could do, especially in the generation like today, where there's so much confusion, where there's so many ladies who don't really know are still trying to figure out, and you've got the world telling them. You know, that that, uh, you know, <laughs> and I hate to bring it up, but that that uh, transgender men are are more more of a value or more worth than than a biological woman. And it's like a lot of young women are like, well, where do I fit into this? You know, and it's like, man, as a woman of God, if if you have a relationship with Christ, you could bring so much guidance to these young ladies in this world that are coming up in a world with so much confusion, man. So much mm-hmm, division. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. So she, she had enough wisdom to, uh, to begin helping you to shape your future, but I'm sure that there was a, there was also a, uh, an influence that you had on her, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not for the better. <laughs> <It's> not... <laughs> so the, moving, uh, you were pulling her down. She was pulling you up. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was, uh, I'm, I made a lot of mistakes, man, as uh, like, especially in our relationship, I'm over here trying to win her over. And then I, I, I get all impatient and I end up, um, and, and I end up, uh, just keep ma- maintaining the friendship, but still wanting to play around with different girls, you know, and, and, and that, and that got me just, it, it's funny because the moment that I stopped pursuing her and I began to get distracted with, with, with other women, that's when I, that's, that's when I got locked up. That's, that's, that's when I got into some, some serious trouble and I ended up in jail. Oh man. And, um, and because I ended up in jail and I was, was, is this before or after you got married? This was before marriage. Like I was still trying to court, I was trying to court her, you know, I was trying to, I was trying to win her over, you know, and, uh, she, she was playing hardball, you know, and I was like, okay, I get that. You can play hardball, you know, and I'll entertain myself here, you know? And, uh, and entertaining myself here, I got involved with like a really, really crazy person. And that's where I ended up getting into, into some, some trouble where, where I ended up in jail, you know? And, uh, it's, it's funny because after, after I had gotten out of prison or gotten out of jail, I, I, I spent, I want to say like, uh, a little bit over a month, I think in prison and, and it was real. It was real. I, I was 18. So I was in there with men. 
that were doing real hard time. And I was like, man, I don't belong here. You know, like, you know, you could talk a tough talk, but then when you're in the situation, you really see like, man, this guy in the next cell is here for life. You know, this other person ended up actually killing somebody. And it's like, and so in a sense, it was almost good for you to see that. Uh, it, it was, it was, it was reality that smacked me in the face. And, um, my brother did everything that my brother, man, I love him because he bent over backwards, get me out of jail, get a lawyer, everything. And, um, and I ended up getting out, but I ended up forfeiting my right to live and be a part of Job Corps because you can't have a felony and be in there. And um, and so I ended up uh, uh, temporarily move, moving back to New York. My, my, my mother's like, hey, why don't you come back over here? You know, in the meantime that, you know, you're waiting on things to get processed. So you have to let you back into Job Corps. And I but I had Josie, you know, and and I was like, man. At this time, me and her were still, she found out that I went to jail. She felt horrible, you know, and, uh, and, and I felt horrible. And so we made amends to our friendship. Right. Uh, and I was like, Hey, well, let's, let's keep in contact. And we kept in contact the whole time. And then when I got news that I was able to come back to job Corps and re-enroll and finish out my time there, uh, I, I got a one way and I went straight back over there. She's mm -hmm. the first person that I saw. Okay. And she's the first person that I saw. And that's where our relationship really began to take place and um and i was able to finish out I, I i picked up i got my gd while i was in job corps and and then she pushed me to get my high school diploma so i got my high school diploma and i picked up a trade i picked up carpentry and i was never really that good at it though <laughs> It is an acquired skill. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, it's a little shameful admitting that because I'm a Latino, you know. It's like, come on, bro. It should be in your blood, right? Come on, dude. You come out the wound with, yeah, with, with a two by fours and a two belt, you know. It's like I, I, I never was really. I, I didn't have that that finesse that it takes for that kind of job. Uh, the hard work, I, I do it all day, you know. And um, but that's 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 where. I, I, I ended up going, we finished out together. We graduated from job Corps, and then we started our life because that's short, shortly after I had graduated. Um, that's when she got pregnant. We got married and then we graduated from there and ended up living with one of her sisters. Okay. And, okay. And my daughter, Annie was born in San Diego in the year, the year 2004. 2004 yeah. okay well those were those were good times yeah oh yeah <laughs> yeah san diego huh so okay so um so here you are with young family mm -hmm. and you're you're trying to get on the right track and uh so where, where does where does that take us next man so as i was trying to get build a family before somewhere in the middle uh well when i had picked up carpentry and I uh, had gotten linked up with some guys that 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 were there within the same carpentry group, the, the same trade. And one of them was a meth head. And uh, and, and he introduced me to meth. Oh, we sounds, sounds like a real winner. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's that's where I began to smoke meth. And I got hooked. I wow. Got, I got hooked bad. And by this time, um, and Annie was born. We were already married. And my first job at a job corps was working for a scaffolding company, which was really, really big out. Well, it was in its infancy stages out there. It's called American Scaffolding. Now they've actually made it to out here. And uh, it's a pretty prominent scaffolding company now. But in its infancy stages, I, I worked for them. And me and this guy, this meth head, ended up getting a job there. You know, we actually helped each other get, get a job there. And we're working for the for the union, and uh, and I was building scaffolding on on skyscrapers, and then slowly moved into the shipyard to build scaffoldings on top of the ships and stuff. And um, I was struggling with this meth issue. Well, um, living with her sister was short lived because uh, it, it was only a matter of time before we had we we outgrew. We were living in a garage in the sister's garage. One of her brothers from San Bernardino up in, uh, uh, yeah, no, not in San Bernardino, up north in Modesto, California, northern, northern Cali said, hey, I heard that your husband does carpentry. You know, why don't you bring him up here? That's what I do. You guys could stay with us. So we went up there. Hmm. And, Opportunity. Uh, yeah. 
and and not only that but i got to cut the the meth oh the relationship yeah and and so i i went we relocated up there we were living with him in his we're living in his attic and i was working for him um and he was a big a big time drinker so then the next best thing right i needed something to replace the meth okay i began to drink so this is uh this is like classic addictive personality syndrome very addictive personality if it's not some one thing it's it becomes another that's right that's right man and and then i began to see how he was as a man treated his family and treated his wife and so i began to kind of uh like take like on some of those some of those habits and and Josie's looking at she's like nah don't 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 talk to me like that don't act because he's very machismo you know and she's like no 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 that's not how that's not how we do that's not that's not who you are and and I and I saw that and I'm like man this isn't good so while while we were there my mother reaches out she always does because this is her only grandchild is my uh, daughter and uh she's like why don't you move Josie and the baby to New York come and live with us, come and live with us. But she's still living in the projects, the same building where I was, you oh, know, wow. a troublemaker. And so I tell the wife and I'm like, Hey, listen, my mom says, come over here and start working here. What do you think? And she was already fed up with the whole living situation there and just the different habits that I had picked up and stuff. And she's like, yeah, let's, let's do it. And I'm like, come on, let's go she's over ready there for a change. She was ready for a change, but she had never left California. She had never left family. And she was always talking to somebody within the family because they were all right there. She's one out of 14 brothers and sisters. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So wow. it was a lot. The families, when they got together, they got together, you know. And uh, the first time meeting them, uh, the first time meeting them, I was like, oh, you got a family. Like, this is a family. <laughs> you know, this is huge. And I'm like, right, it's just me, my older brother, my little sister. And I got a half brother that I barely see. And it's like, so um, taking her away from that. I didn't realize how much it would, it would affect her. And, uh, but she's like, Hey, okay, then let's, let's go. And we went and, um, and she was, she was, she was hurt in the hurt locker. She was missing home, homesick big time, but thank God that she had the baby that we had the baby there. And then, so we get there and I begin to work, um, as a, try to get a transfer for the local union, for the carpentry union, uh, get a, get a freelance job doing some, some carpentry or whatever. Didn't really do too good at that. And I began to hang out with a lot of the old buddies that I used to know. Right. Mm. But, but not the gang members. Okay. These guys are different. These guys are different. These guys are kids from high school or from, from elementary school, you know, but we used to hang out and smoke weed a lot, you know, play video games a lot. Right. And then, so I'd invite them over and then that got old real quick. (laughs) That got old real (laughs) quick, man. And, uh, and, and I remember one time when Josie had had enough of seeing, you know, her husband, father of her daughter, you know, smoking weed and playing video games with the boys. And she was like, okay, enough is enough. I need everybody to leave. And I took that as an excuse me. Like, what what do you, what do you think you're doing? And then the guys saw that and they're like, oh, we got to go. They left. Right. You know? And then now it's just me and her. And I'm like, I feel so disrespected. But she, I always gave her that freedom of if, I, if I'm doing wrong, then let me know. And she let me know. But she let me know in front of the boys. So my, my ego was struck. And that's the first time ever that I try to put hands on her. Mm. Mm. And, uh, and, and I just kind of grabbed her. And I was like, don't you ever, you know. And she just pushed me back. She's like, don't you ever ever put hands on me and I just kind of snapped out of it because I instantly thought about my dad wow because even though I was young I remember my older brother shoving us into one of the rooms as my my father's close fist and my mom you know and you hear her screaming and yelling you hear him screaming and yelling trying to fight dad off of mom and it was a normal that's the reason why they split up wow it's because he was very abusive you know and the moment that I grabbed her and I threw her on the couch and she got up and she pushed back. It was almost like a flashback of my mom and dad. And I was just, I have become what I hated. Yes. 100%. And ever since that day, I vowed, I was like, I'll never do that again. I will never put hands on you ever again. And, um, but, um, 
Uh, so so that it was what that one instance i don't know why that just jumped out at me but it was really really a turnkey for me on how to treat my wife or how to how to treat the woman that i love you know that's not one that's not one of the ways and uh, but i was also because i was uh, struck in my ego because she embarrassed me in front of my boys you know but i had it coming I mean, for sure. I'm hanging out with the guy smoking weed and playing yeah. video games. Like, Acting like doing, a bro? stupid 15 year old. Yeah. You're supposed to be out there working, man. And so uh, fast forward, I run into this recruiter and. Uh, oh, here it comes. <laughs> here it comes. I run into this old recruiter and uh, that I remember him from one of my high schools that I went to in New York. And he, he tried talking to me. He's like, hey, I remember you. And I was like, yeah, you look familiar, you know. And he's like, um. Hey, uh, have you ever thought of, thought about the Navy? And I'm like, absolutely not, man. I, <laughs> not even no, one time. man. I do, I, I do carpentry. I'm trying to get a job over here. And and he's like, well, the Navy's got carpentry. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm not going to do it, man. And I'm like, listen, my older brother's a Marine, okay? I'm not going to join the Navy. If I'm going to join something, it's got to be extreme. I got to do something to top him, you know? And he's like, well, have you ever heard of uh, the Navy SEAL program? And I was like what the heck is that? You know? And then, so he, he's, he's like, Hey, just stop by the office. I didn't tell my wife at all. I just kind of went with him to the office, showed me a video of these Navy SEALs doing these cool things, riding on the rib boat. And, um, and I was like, all right, let's do it. Serious. Yeah. Without like, even a conversation, without even a conversation. I was like, all right, let's, let's do it. Sign me I'm up. I'm sure she was very happy about this. And so I ended up, um, taking like a pre-exam I, I i think i scored like a 36 which is like barely passing right i, th I think failing is 35 okay so at that time 36 and i was like yeah that's what i got and he's like <laughs> he's like all right i don't know all right hey he was just happy to have a body right? right and uh so i go back home and i tell the wife hey i'm gonna join the navy and she's like what what is that and then my mom's like what are you talking about i'm joining the navy and then i'm like hey and you know what? My mom didn't protest it. And my my wife was kind of like, okay, I guess this is what we're doing. And I'm like, yeah, this is what we're doing. And then so she she kind of just went with it. She just went with the flow, man. Um, okay, well, I was seeing that going a totally different direction. So, <laughs> yeah, Josie is quite a girl. No, no, because, I mean, she, she really didn't know anything. And she just kind of... She sucked it up, man, and she just stayed there. I had a younger sister that was that that uh uh is is a year younger than me, and um so she she was uh she was pregnant at that time, I think too. So her and my wife hung out a lot, and so I was like, well, I'm not leaving you by by yourself. I'm leaving you with, with my sister. I'm leaving you, with mom. You're in good hands. Not and I'll be back, you know, and I'll have a stable job. They started telling me how much money I'd be making. And, oh, you're already married. You're going to get this. I was like, okay, hey, let's just do it. I need to be able to provide, right? And um, so I got shipped off to boot camp. Well, so this is a big step up for you. Yeah. I got shipped off to, to boot camp. And uh, and my ego was 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 torn down, man, because I got to boot camp and I thought that I was the man. And I see all these other guys. So it turns out you were not the man. Oh, no, I wasn't. No, I, I, I was a very bitter little, little man. Okay. And, and, um, but I ended up, uh, signing up for what I wanted to do. And I was like, Hey, I'm going to serve my country and I'm going to, I'm going to do this extreme job and I'm, and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability, you know? And, uh, be, because nine, uh, nine 11 struck a chord with me. Oh, you know? okay. And, and and so my my older brother was already enlisted. He was in the Marine Corps. I Is saw, that why he joined up also? No. So he joined prior to 9-11. Okay. And so I saw 9-11 and I saw him and he was deployed at that time. And I'm in the projects with, with my friends. And I'm like, man, my brother's out there fighting this fight. And here I am over here getting high with you guys, you know. So for a short period, of, you know, it, it was very like I felt very patriotic. I saw when New York for the first time ever came together, you know, and everybody was shoulder to shoulder, you know, aside from when the, when the ball drops in Times Square, this is different. This is like a very sobering time where even a whole bunch of hoodlums from the street kind of like were, Hey, we need to come together, you know, wow. and yeah. everybody grabbed their candle and show respect. Right. That Anybody really under the age of 25 really cannot understand what life was like at that point. No, it was right. It was insane. 
It was insane. Well, just, just, uh, yeah, the, the, the idea that we are, um, that we are vulnerable. Mm -hmm. That was a new idea in the thought yeah. of an American mind. It's like somebody could get to us. Right. How that, is that possible? And then the, um, the reaction to that, which is we're going to show them who we really are. Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah. for that, whatever that was, that six months to a year mm -hmm. after that happened, there was a, a, a true resolve. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people, people like you, right. Yeah. And people like me, yeah. we, we were, we were young enough to, um, I mean, yeah, that, that shaped a whole generation No, it did. and the decisions that you made, like, yeah. you know, unless, unless that, that would have happened, maybe, maybe you wouldn't have had the thought to, to even join up or listen no, to that recruiter, you know? Yeah, no, that's right. No, I, I believe that too, man, because you're right. That was, uh, that, that was a time where it's like, man, you know what we, it, we all freaked out because that's the first time I ever seen the F-18 aircraft or F-14 at that time, the, the Tomcats, and they were flying over the city and you could feel the rumble from the jets in the project buildings. And I'm like, what? Everybody's freaking out. Like, man, are we going to, are we at war right now? And it's like, yeah, we are at war, but different. Right. And, um, no, it did bring, bring, bring a resolve, you know, it did bring a resolve. And so when I joined and I was going through boot camp, they, uh, they, they went ahead and made the offer for those that wanted to try out for the buds program they would separate you from the rest of the, uh, the the division and they would have you train with this old grouchy retired or he wasn't retired, but this old grouchy seal. And he had a voice like real raspy like this, right? <laughs> he been and, yelling at people for yes, years. Yes. And he's like, and he, he, and the, the uh, division guys, uh, the RDCs, the, 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 the instructors would, would tell us, would try to tell us, all right, you're going to last a day. You know, because you got an attitude, you got a smart mouth, you're not gonna make it. Okay, so wait, so this is boot camp, or this, this is, is seal program? Okay, no, this, is, okay. This, this is boot camp. And then, um, so I'm, uh, me and four of the buddies from the division end up take taking that challenge, and it's like let's let's do it, and we did. And this guy put us through the ringer, running, push ups, pull ups, swimming, everything. We would get worked as hard as everybody else because everybody goes through physical training but we just got a double dose the good thing is that we got to eat twice as much so hey we got to so that it. was that was actually i look forward to that man i was like hey i'll i'll do 200 push-ups if i get to eat another another nutty bar you know like his <laughs> and it was it was good and i had ended up gaining a lot of weight so at the end of it i saw josie now josie just thinks that i joined the navy just for the navy she had no idea. Oh, she didn't know about the seal. Oh, program. she had no idea about the butt that I was going to get shipped off to Coronado for buds. She had no idea. And so, uh, graduation time comes. She brings my daughter. My mom is there. We're all having fun, you know, celebrating. And then um, another bomb drops. And I didn't tell her, you know, until uh, she was, I forget when I actually told her. No, I didn't even tell her then. I was just like, hey, I've got to go to training. You know, for I think uh, another six months or so, I I gotta go to training. Well, where? Oh, I don't know where. Okay, all right. We'll just keep in touch. Okay, I'm curious about this. So, why do you think you were keeping that a secret from her? You were you protecting her? No. So I I I don't know what it was. I I was really bad at communicating, man. <laughs> I was just really I was really bad at communicating, and you know what? They there there might have been some some embarrassment to that. There might have been some. Well, I don't why, want to tell you, you just, 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 just in case I didn't make it or didn't, or just, just in case there's feedback. Of, so it's fear of well, failure. Why are you going to do that? Or why are you, you know, or being, being swayed to not do something. Right. Okay. I know and what so, that is. So it's like, I'm, I'm just not going to say anything at all. You don't want her to talk you out of it. That's what, yeah. I got it. And then my mom was everywhere, you know? And so my mom was within earshot of anything that I told my wife, you know? So I didn't want to hear mom either. And so, <laughs> uh, that, that was probably a part of it. So, yep. Well, gr graduate, have a good time with them. They go back to New York. I go straight to, to Coronado. So you go to Coronado straight out of boot camp. Straight out of boot camp. Yeah. Oh man. Well, I can't wait to hear this story. Well, well, hold on. Okay. Before we get there, yeah, yeah. we're going to say goodbye to our free listeners. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> subscribe. <y 'all. laughs> you gotta subscribe. Well, we haven't even gotten to your salvation story yet, no, but, no. uh, but we know you got saved eventually. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's coming. That's coming. Oh man. 
But uh, yeah, if you want to hear the rest of that, um, hit that subscribe button down below. And we didn't we didn't uh, tell the audience this at the beginning, but um, but you're a premium subscriber, yes? I am absolutely. So you know why don't you tell them why? All right, listen, guys. So let me give you this inside <laughs> scoop, man. All right, so I've been listening to the free version of this for a while, and it wasn't up until one of my brothers, uh, I think it was Deontay Scott, was was interviewed, and I end up listening into it. And then I'm like, it, it cut off right at the good part. And I'm like, come on, man. So his pastor, uh, Pastor Tijero, was the one that told him, hey, well, if you're a subscriber, you get to hear the rest of it. And yeah. that's where it gets good. So he became a subscriber. And I was like, man, let me do it. But here's the big thing. I have a heart for world evangelism. And so does Pastor Dragoon. And so any funds that, 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 that go towards the subscription, those funds go towards world evangelism. So that to me is a no-brainer i'm like oh I'll, I'll gladly give to that yeah and then i get to hear the rest of these pretty cool stories too you know <laughs> i mean it's awesome because you get to connect with uh with uh, a lot of pioneer pastors a lot of pastors that are out there within our fellowship on a different level man you get to hear the realness of their story you know and the uh raw and you could feel the authenticity of it and so i'm like you know what this is a no-brainer so if you're not a if you're not a subscriber yet Hey, just do it. You know, it's, <laughs> you got nothing to lose and world evangelism has everything to gain. Yeah. Man, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there'll be some links down below. By the way, we're going to put some links to, uh, to the KTB podcast on there too. Oh, cool, you can, man. you can go check that out also. And, uh, we're going to say goodbye to our free subscribers, but, uh, thank you for listening. And uh, for those of you who are premium subscribers, uh, we'll be right back in a second.